Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. You can hear the roaring, crackling fire behind me. And there's a reason why we're using this as our soundscape for this episode. After taking a brief side quest, (laughs) I guess you could say, to discuss the nature of magic, it is time to return to the events unfolding in Middle-earth. And so far, our story has focused on the Noldor, and specifically on Feanor, his son's his relatives, his people, and their quest for revenge against Melkor. But there's an event that we need to talk about that occurs just a few years before they reach Beleriand. If we go back to episodes, now, I guess a few months ago at this point, with the description about What happened with the elves and how they made their way to Valinor? If you recall, a great number of them started on the journey, but never made it across the sea. In the time that we've been spending with the Noldor, learning about their development under the Valar, the creation of the Silmarils, the infighting, all of those events, The elves over in Beleriand, in Middle-earth, haven't been idle. In fact, not just the elves, the dwarves as well. There are dwarves now in the Blue Mountains, on the eastern side 
of the map of Beleriand, which would eventually be the western side of the map of Middle-earth in the Third Age. But we'll get to reasons why that happens later. And during the time of the development of the Noldor, you have to recall that Morgoth, for most of that time, was captured. He was a prisoner of the Valar, and great lengths of time have gone by. And eventually he was released, and of course he sowed his distrust among the Noldor and the elves over in Valinar, which led to all the events that we've already talked about. And during this time in Beleriand, you have groups of elves who have not been idle. They've been forging their kingdoms, building their homes, creating cities, building trade with the dwarves of the Blue Mountains. And during this time, the orcs have remained quiet. We know that they were created. We know that there are orcs, that there are even worse things, that Sauron himself is still hiding away in the fortress that Morgoth had created. And along with him, the Balrogs. But all of these evil creatures have, for the most part, been quiet. Until Morgoth, as Melkor, returns. And in the time that it takes the Noldor to leave Valinor and travel all the way to Beleriand, remember, there's a lot of things that happened. The slaying of the other elves, the stealing of their ships, the traveling north, the crossing the waters. There's a lot that occurred. That trip took a few years. And in that time, Morgoth returned to his throne and opened the doors and let loose the orcs on Beleriand. And this is called the First Battle of Beleriand. And the Noldor completely missed it. And this event kicks off a very tumultuous First Age of the World. So hold on tight. So before we get too into the details here, we have to review some names and some locations because some of these things didn't come up before and some of them did, but it's good to have a reminder to make sure that we're all on the same page. So there are a few phrases that we need to recall. First of all, the Sindar. Do you remember the Sindar? The elves that are named the Grey People, the Grey Elves, the group of Teleri who chose to stay behind in Beleriand, that third group that never made it across the sea. They are the ones that this is primarily focusing on. Them and the Lyquendi, the Green Elves. They are a group of the Nandor who settled in the eastern side of Beleriand, and they were ruled by none other than a leader, an elven leader named Denethor. That name is going to be familiar to you if you've read or watched the Lord of the Rings movies, because we already met a Denethor, Denethor II, the 26th and the last ruling steward of Gondor. And the movies don't put him in very good light, and the books don't either. 
But he wasn't the only other Denethor. There's actually another one, Denethor I, the 10th ruling steward of Gondor. This was a name that went down the ages, most likely because of the events of this first battle. And this Denethor was the king of the Lyquendi, the green elves. The area that they settled is named Osiriand. It is west of the Blue Mountains, but it is east of the elven kingdom of Doriath, which was ruled by King Thingol. You, you guys will remember King Thingol. His original name was Elway. He was the one who got lost in the woods and ended up marrying a Maiar, Melian. And together they created a kingdom in the forest of Doriath. And the relationship between these people had grown during the time that the rest of the elves were over in Valinor. They'd built trade relationships between the people of Doriath, Thingol's people, the people of Assyrian, Denethor's people, and the dwarves of the Blue Mountains. All of them worked together. And in this time, there was friendship among these groups. Thingol actually had a relationship with the dwarves of the Blue Mountains that was so close that he invited them into his forest, and together they helped create the halls underneath the forest, the caves and the structures. That was a work that was created both by the dwarves and the elves together. And like many other things in these stories, there's echoes of Doriath in the Third Age. If you recall from the Lord of the Rings, Legolas was a prince, the prince of the Sindarin kingdom of the Woodland Realms underneath Mirkwood. The caves underneath Mirkwood that the elves lived in are an echo of Doriath. Now, there's one other name that we need to talk about before we get into the details of this battle, and it's Círdan, the shipwright, who, again, you will remember if you've paid attention to the Lord of the Rings. Círdan lived on the westernmost coast in what is called the Havens of the Falas. And there, Círdan was already a shipmaker. He was a great shipmaker. He's known as being one of the wisest and most foresighting, foresighting, foresighted <laughs> of the elves. And these are the names that you need to hold on to. Círdan, Denethor, and Thingol, primarily. And these groups were living in relative peace, at least until... Melkor returned to his fortress of Angband and released the orcs. He was determined not to wait to act. So much of the time we get these dark lords and their patience. They sit in the background, biding their time. Melkor was ready. He opened the doors of Angband and let loose scores of orcs an army that Sauron had been building for years, hundreds of years. And the orcs headed south. You have to recall, Angband was in the north. The area that Melkor had taken and had ruined and desolated the land was in the north of Beleriand. And he wanted to claim the land south of him and show a force of power against the kingdoms of the elves that were in that land. He wanted to set them straight, let them know he was boss. And this battle is known to have two main forces that came south from Angband, one headed east and one headed west. 
The eastern force ended up fighting against King Thingol, trying to invade the lands of Doriath with Denethor and some of the dwarves as their allies, fighting back against this eastern force of orcs. And Thingol's army was the most prepared. But in the west, poor Círdan, the shipwright, and his people were not as ready for the conflict. They were lightly armored, and they saw many casualties due to this fighting. We know that the orcs ravaged and plundered much of Western Beleriand. They took lands for themselves. They became a real problem. Círdan was defeated and was forced to retreat to the walled city of Eglarest in Brithambar. This is still on the west side of the map. And there he was besieged. His group completely cut off from any of their allies to the east. Now in the east, King Denethor was able to hold back the forces, at least for a time. Eventually, they called to aid from Denethor, but Denethor's people were not as prepared. They too were very lightly armed and not ready for this, and they had many casualties as well. Eventually, their forces were pushed back to a location called Ammon Arab, where they were cut off and surrounded, and Denethor made his last stand against this group of orcs. And unfortunately, he was cut down and slain before the forces of Thingol could reach them and break through the ranks of the orcs in order to try to save them. Fortunately, though, because King Thingol's army was so well prepared, they were able to cut down the orcs. The orcs didn't stand a chance. They actually squeezed them between the forces of Thingol and the dwarves who were also coming to the aid of Denethor, but arrived too late. They destroyed most of the orcs, and many of them were just scattered to the wilds. And like orcs do, some of them get back together with their with their armies. Some of them go find a way to live on their own and just terrorize people on the roads and those kinds of things. But the majority of that eastern force was destroyed. Now, there are a few other details here that I think are worth discussing. First of all, why is King Thingol's army better against the orcs and more prepared? Well, I mean, I guess that's kind of answers the question a little bit. They were more prepared. They had King Thingol. He was Elway. He was one of the original leaders of the elves, one of the oldest of them, the wisest that he has that kind of, I don't know, power or air around him. But they also have Melian and Melian is a Maiar. She was familiar with the ways of Morgoth. And my gut says that the two of them working together were not idle in possibly their beliefs that evil would return to the world. And so they were more prepared. You also have the difference here between Elway, Thingol's people, being of kind of a higher stature. Now, of course, they, they never make it to the land of Amon, to Valinor, to the light of the trees, but they are still an older, more noble group than any of the Sindarin elves. And because of that, they're, they're kind of at a different level here. They were better armed, but they also inherently are more powerful on the scale of like elven power. So that makes some sense too, because we know that the Noldor returning from Valinor are formidable. They are even 
greater in abilities than any of these elves. And we have the story of Feanor dying to fighting against the Balrogs and this idea that a single elf could have at least held up against a group of Balrogs, at least for a little bit of time. Well, he wasn't by himself, but a single powerful elf with some other followers, a small group of them could actually stand toe to toe with a group of Balrogs before Feanor was cut down is incredible. And then we have orcs who are pretty much the same. I mean, there's variations of the orcs, but these are, these are kind of the fodder of the army. And yet they do some major damage against the elven forces in Beleriand. But we also have to take into consideration that they weren't prepared. They weren't ready, at least not all of them. And this sets the stage for the land that the sons of Feanor will be moving into. These are the groups that they're going to have to know. And this is one of the reasons why the wilds are dangerous. There are orcs out there. On the western side, there are armies holding land that used to be owned by the elves. And in the west, there are remnants of orcs out in the wild and forces of Melkor moving about, causing problems for the people of Beleriand. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. All right, welcome, friends, to the middle of the show. This is your host, Tom or robots. You can call me either. I go by robots on the internet. That's why it's robots radio. That's the, uh, the network name. Um, welcome to the middle of the show. I hope you guys are enjoying this return to the stories and the unfolding of the, the story going on here. This is the part of the show where I get to thank our patrons. We don't have any new patrons this week. We had a bunch the other week, but no, no new ones right now. So thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the show. I really appreciate this. This is my full-time job. So all 17 of you who are currently supporting this, who have access to those of you who have access to the bonus episodes, but also to ad free episodes and those there's different tiers, you know how this stuff works, but thank you to all of you guys. This really does make this a possibility for me to do as a full-time thing and it keeps the show going. So I really appreciate it. If you are interested in checking out those bonus episodes with which there's like a dozen now, because there's one for every episode I put out further discussion about the topic that we talked about or answering questions from those of you who are my patrons, leaving some comments and things. And I think for this episode's bonus episode, I'll be addressing one of the questions that was left as well. So stay tuned for that. But if you're interested in getting access to all that stuff, head over to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. Check out the different tiers. I think you guys will enjoy signing up and getting a whole second set of episodes that you can kind of chew into. Um, We also have three reviews this week to read out three reviews from Canadians, all three of them. I guess uh, Canada teamed up and decided to drop a bunch of reviews. So thank you to everyone who takes the time to leaving reviews. It's a it's a huge help. I'm going to read through these real quick. We've got Nick 2NV2 
from Canada who writes amazing podcast five stars I've been listening to this podcast for a couple of days now and I gotta say it's a really cool to find out the lore of the Lord of the Rings universe even picked up the Lord of the Rings books because of listening to this cast 10 out of 10 thank you so much Nick I really appreciate that I'm glad you're enjoying it and getting back into the books that's awesome then we have night bright star again from Canada who writes calming and enjoyable five stars I found this podcast when I needed to go on a solo road trip. Man, that's the perfect time, right? Listening to this podcast helped me keep my sanity while driving. Thank you for that. I really enjoyed the episode so much. I decided to sign up for the bonus episodes. I think the bonus episodes are worth giving a listen to just in case you were wondering. I highly recommend if you enjoy the Lord of the Rings. Awesome. And thank you for supporting the Patreon. That is amazing. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying those episodes as well. Then we have Dusty Willows, again from Canada, who writes... A world I never knew, five stars. Being such a Lord of the Rings enthusiast, I was astounded to be introduced to this entire backstory. I can't wait to read the Silmarillion and compare the events of your podcast. Like you, my father showed me of Middle Earth, and I'm super excited to learn more from your show. Additionally, this is my first podcast I've ever listened to. Well, welcome to the world of podcasts. It's wonderful in here. Uh, it came to me while welding for four days straight in a dark hole, and I searched Lord of the Rings, and here I am. Keep it up. Well, I'm glad I'm able to keep you company in your dark hole. Are, are you a are you a dwarven warrior of some sort, building things underneath the ground? Uh, but thank you so much, Dusty, and Night Bright Star, and Nick. I really appreciate it. If you would like to help me out, even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, if you have an account, you can still log in, leave a five-star review. It is it is super helpful. It really does help me rank higher when people search for new shows, brings in more of an audience. And then if you want to leave some words like these guys did on Apple Podcasts for your review, I will read it out and thank you on the show. So that's what we got for the middle of the show. Thank you so much for all of the support. Let's move on with the rest of the first battle of Beleriand. So at this point in the story, the battles are basically done. In the West, we have orcs that are sieging a city but no active conflict is currently going. Cyrodan is holed up and trying to withstand the siege of the orcs and is hoping for help from Thingol. And in the eastern side of the conflict, they took out the orcs. They drove them back, scattered them to the wilds. But King Thingol was careful. He didn't send help for Círdan. And this may have been a wise choice, or it may have been a mistake turning his back on one of his own, on another elf in need. Thingol sent out word to all the rest of the free elves, the ones who were not under siege by the orcs, and said, basically, if you want to live in peace, come live with us in the forests of Region, or Region, maybe that's how it's pronounced, and Neldoreth. And there, Melian worked her magic, her powers, and created a realm that was hidden and separated from the rest of the continent. This magical barrier was called the Girdle of Melian. 
And this is when this region actually got the name of Doriath. Now, the Girdle of Melian is actually really interesting. It enclosed three forests, Neldoreth, Region, and Nivrim. And those who attempted to cross the boundaries of this magical field, in a sense, it's, it's more of like a zone, like this zone, this protected zone, they became confused and wandered aimlessly as if in an impossible maze of trees. This confusion would last until they eventually ran out of food because they weren't really able to take care of themselves. It was, it's like they were in a daze. And so you would find the bodies of people who wandered into this zone out in the forests or orcs would get lost and would never make it back out. The Girdle of Melian also had a secondary effect. It actually kept this area out of the dark influence that Melkor was seeping into the world around them. It kept them protected and separated. It also made it impossible for Melkor to see or to use any type of magics that would allow him to find out what was going on inside the girdle. It completely separated them from everything. And again, we get echoes. This is the forebearer, and the echoes of this are in places like Lothlorien, where Galadriel used the power of her ring and her own abilities, which were heightened by that. At least that's my theory on this, because she's so powerful also, that they were able to make Lorien protected and separated from the world around them in a way that Sauron could not detect them or find out where they were. There's very much a girdle of Melian thing going on with Lothlorien. Now let's talk about the other groups, because there are some other groups left here. The dwarves fought in the battle, returned to their mountains, and continued doing dwarf things like they typically do, right? They, they kept on being dwarves. And we'll go into the dwarves of the Blue Mountains in the future. They're actually very interesting and are some of the only dwarves that get mentioned in the First Age that come to the aid of the elves or, and are in some ways friends and trade partners with the elves. As for the rest of the dwarves, they're off even further into Middle-earth in locations building places like Moria and living underneath the mountains in the parts of the map that we're more familiar with. As for the people of Denethor, the Lyquendi, they suffered extremely heavy losses during this battle. They lost their king, and we have no documentation of another king coming to rule the group. This group, for the most part, disappear out of the stories. They pledge to live in secrecy, they pledge to forsake war, they distrust outsiders. Some of them respond to King Thingol's welcoming of elves to Doriath, but some of them don't. And they, from that point on, live in the wilds. They're these wild elves who just make their homes and stay separate and try to stay out of the politics and the wars happening in Beleriand, and they disappear from the story. Now, in the West, we have Círdan and his people, the poor people who are being besieged by the orcs. And sieges can last a long time, especially when there are stores of food and the area is protected by strong walls. There was not active battle happening 
But the orcs had taken the land around this fortress city. It was basically a city that they have fortified. And Círdan was stuck in this situation until the Noldor arrived. Melkor, upon learning that the Noldor had pursued him to Beleriand and getting reports of Feanor himself fighting the Balrogs, remember, Feanor was killed by Gothmog, the Lord of the Balrogs. And there are some other events that we'll get into next week about what happens with Feanor's sons and what they decide to do after they realize their father is dead. But when Melkor finds out that the Noldor have arrived, he pulls all of his orcs back to the north to fight against them. And I have to speculate here about the reasoning. I think there are a few things going on. One, he knows that he played them. He knows that they're out for revenge and he hates them. He doesn't have much of a history with these other elves. I mean, he knows they're elves and he hates elves. He doesn't like them because they're the firstborn children of the Iluvatar and and all of that stuff. But we know that Melkor hates (laughs) the Noldor and he, we know that he thinks that they're coming to get those Silmarils back because Feanor isn't going to let him get away with it. So I think there's two things going on here. I think there's both anger and hatred, but then there's also fear. And I think this is another theme that we'll probably touch on in the future. This idea that these dark lords, these creatures of darkness, the orcs, the even the Balrogs, they feel fear. They are afraid and often act out of fear. Think about the situation when Sam saves Frodo from the tower by using the ring, and they think he is an elven warrior coming to to take the tower, coming to attack them directly. And the orcs are afraid of a singular powerful elven warrior coming to kick their butts. They are afraid. And Melkor knows that the Noldor are powerful. They've lived under the light of the trees. They've forged weapons. Their forging abilities were taught to them by Aule himself. They are strong enough to stand up to Balrogs, like I mentioned before. Their magics are potent. And they're not going to let him get away with taking the life of Feanor's father, Finway, and stealing the Silmarils and destroying the trees. So yes, I think Melkor is afraid. And if it wasn't for the arriving of the Noldor in Beleriand, Círdan might not have survived. Eventually, the orcs may have been able to siege them into starvation or eventually breach the walls, but that didn't happen. And the story changes from this point on because of the arrival of the Noldor. And I can't wait to get into more of those details with you guys next week. So thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I really appreciate you guys. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and we are now all caught up on the events And I'm debating how I move forward with these episodes, because so far we've been going mostly chronologically. We kind of pull some things in here or there out of the timeline and kind of fit them in so that they make sense. And then sometimes we have episodes about like Galadriel or about how magic works. From this point on, 
we might continue chronologically, but I might focus on specific events and more about individuals and kind of piece it together in a slightly different way, because there are a lot of moving parts for the things that happen in the first age. So I'm going to be thinking about that. I'm, I'll, I'm sure I'll figure something out. And thank you again for everybody tuning in. I appreciate you being here. I'll see you guys next week. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.